um, safety Malcolm Jenkins of the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's mark at the 40, at the 40, at the 50. Malcolm Jenkins is going 99 yards for a touchdown. And you're listening to the Eagles Live Podcast with Dave Spadaro. And welcome, everyone, Eagles everywhere. How are you? I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, and this is the Eagles Live Podcast. In just a bit, we're going to sit down with former All-Pro, Pro Bowl, future Eagles Hall of Famer, Trey Thomas, left tackle. We're going to talk about the position of left tackle, talk about the offensive line and how it's evolved over the years, and also talk to Trey about his career mm-hmm. in the Philadelphia media. Let's get you caught up with everything happening as the Eagles get ready for free agency starting March 13th at 4 p.m., they have been aggressively restructuring contracts, signing players to extend the deal. So we're going to back it all the way up to Rodney McLeod, restructured contract. He's back for 2019. Paul Worlow, a new contract for 2019. He'll compete for some playing time at the linebacker position after missing 2018 with a knee injury. The Eagles signing Brandon Graham to a contract extension through 2021. Jason Kelsey re-ups for another year through 2021. Isaac Sayamalo, left guard, is here through 2022. Reportedly, Lane Johnson restructures his deal, moves some money around a a deal that gives the Eagles a little bit of relief in the salary cap department. And that is your news of the day. Free agency starts in one week. We'll see what the Eagles plan to do with some wiggle room that they've created under the $188.2 million salary cap limit for 2019. Let's get into it with former Eagles left tackle Trey Thomas, number 72. Trey, welcome to the show, sir. All right. Thanks for having me. How's everything? All is well. Yeah? Yeah, can't complain, man. You, you, you have been a free agent in your life. Yeah. Um, I remember it after the 2008 season, a, a weird veer for the Eagles mm-hmm. after going to the NFC Championship game. You left, John Runyon left, Jim Johnson passed away, Brian Dawkins left. An end of an era. What was it like for you? Man, it was just shocking, you know, to, to have to leave a city that you loved, to leave an organization that you really loved was – it was tough, you know, um, but it was cool. You know, I went down to Jacksonville, and Jacksonville pretty much got me ready to retire, you know, just because it wasn't the same energy. It wasn't the same feel that I just had just being here all of these years. You know, um, when, you, when you're in a city for so long, for 11 years, you kind of watch how an overcare complex hadn't, wasn't even here. He started off at the vet, and just how everything was here with the Luries and just – the family environment that was here with, uh, with Coach Reed um, instilled here, it was just something that I really, truly missed after I got out of here. So environment actually matters. Yeah, I, to I think su- so. To the success of a player. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's extremely important um, for a guy to feel comfortable where he is and um, that, that, that just that the family feel. That, and I think that's one of the things that Doug did a really good job of, Coach Peterson, bringing that family vibe back to the team. And I think that's what, what kind of helped these guys – you know, depend on each other. When, when you have all of these injuries, they kind of just, everybody stepped up and just kept pushing through. Trey, uh, the left tackle position, I think, is an interesting one. First, I got to ask you this. Is there like a bias? Do you think a left tackle is better than a right tackle? Are you a left tackle snob, I guess? Well, you know what? At one point, it probably was. Now, cause I, at one point, left tackle probably was the better tackle because he, – because I back then when left tackles used to have to deal with speed rushes, you had your Derek Thomases, your Chad Browns, you had your, um, you know, uh, uh, freaks. Yeah, well, yeah, all of the speed guys. Yeah. But now when you bring up the freak, now this this is what's interesting. Now, 
this is where the game changed and what made right tackles have to yeah, step he up. the other side. When yeah, he went over yeah. to the right tackle. And then now right tackles have to be just as athletic as your left tackles. So, you know, now it's just tackles. You better be athletic and you have to be able to handle the speed rush. Would you have been a great right tackle? Um, coming out of college, possibly. But just because um, I had been working both stances coming out of college, I, I was okay with um, playing right and left. Uh but once I played left tackle for so long, uh, you know, trying to switch over to a right-handed stance just wouldn't work for me. Would John Runyon have been a great left tackle? Uh, possibly. I think that he had definitely had the aggression. You know, he set, did, did a good job of using his hands. Um, and he handled the speed rush because, I mean, he still had to deal with – he was right on the cuffs of having to deal with the Javon curses and all of that in the game. So he definitely could have done that. Trey – 1998 to 2008 with the Philadelphia Eagles, three Pro Bowls. You know, in a lineage of uh, for a team that has had some great left tackles. I mean, do you recognize where you stand with the likes of Bob Brown, with Jerry Sizemore, uh, with now Jason Peters? Man, Jason Peters is just amazing. Is though. he? I mean, do you? <laughs> is he the best? Who's the best? Of uh, did you ever watch Bob Brown play? I, I've never seen Bob Brown play. I knew, you know what, coming up, just being from Florida. I'm surprised that because you're such a big football guy. Like <laughs> yeah, it. coming up from Florida, I, I really wasn't into watching. And my parents were always just go outside, go mess around. And, you know, so I never was like a student of the game until I got here and was with Juan, under Juan. And he had me watching the uh, film of Anthony Munoz and stuff like that. And that's when I started watching some of the older guys. But they played a different game than what, what we played, you know, and – um but when you look at what Jason Peters is, I mean, hands down, uh, when Jason Peters was – even when you see flashes of it last year with dealing all, with all the injuries that he dealt with, hands down, the best in the game. You know, um, extremely athletic, uh, strong lower body, uh, had a great balance, understood how to use his hands. So um, I was definitely a, a big fan of how he played the game, how he plays the game still. How much does he have left? How much could he possibly have left age 37? Yeah, uh, you know what? This year was an off year for him, I'm guessing, with the different injuries and stuff. I think that when you saw flashes, when he came out of healthy, you can see that he can still do it. Now, the problem is with tackle and with offensive line, you still have to be able to push through the grind throughout the week. It's not something that you just turn on on the weekends. and So you kind of still need to be challenged throughout the week in practice so that you can go into the game sharp, you know, and – um when you can't do that anymore, that's probably time to let it go. I think that playing left tackle, right tackle, I think, the, I, think I love the way the offensive line has become the most important position in the game. Did you feel that way when you played, that you were recognized financially, respect-wise, all that, as that offensive linemen were seen as more than just uh, five guys who yeah. get in the trenches and get dirty? Yeah, it's, it's starting to, you're starting to be recognized a lot more. You know, just because I think people – are starting to learn the game a little bit more. You have someone that can get in there and can show you what's going on when it comes to blocking schemes and all that. Because a lot of times when people watch the TV copy of a game, they just see a big mashup and then you see the running back break out. But you don't understand the combination blocks that had to happen on the backhand side of it, the combination blocks that worked on the right, hand, the front side of it, and just how everything opens up. I think that um, the media nowadays have done a really good job of highlighting some of that so that the offensive line can get the recognition that they deserve. Well, you're part of the media now. Yeah. Morning show, 97.5 The Fanatic. Yeah. How's it going? How do you like it? How it's do you fun. like? How do you like your relationship with Philadelphia fans? Oh, it's fun, man. You know, um, doing radio was something that I, I did not – 
it wasn't on my radar at the time, but um, I started crashing a couple of Westbrook shows, doing his pregame shows and stuff. And then next day, you know, um, 97.5 brought me on and gave me a morning show with uh, Mark Farzetta. So um, it's a lot of fun, man. It's, uh, you know, you have to really know what you're talking about. It's not just football. You have to be in on all the sports. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I had to like really get under my belt is hockey. Because I didn't grow up coming from Florida, I mean, you know, I, we really that really wasn't something that um, that I was really into. But you know, now I have a good feel for it. But you you really have to be on point with what you what you're doing and what you're saying. And also, just because it's live, and people will call up and will call you on your mess if you don't know what you're talking about. All right. So as a player, you have one kind of perspective of the fans in Philadelphia, and fans are are demanding here. Oh yeah. Um, did it take you a while as a player to get used to that? You came from Florida. Yeah. A lot of success at Florida State. Did it take a while to understand the mentality of these fans? And then how's that changed through the years? Yeah, well, you know what? I started – at first it was like, man, these cats are crazy. <laughs> but Because, you know, you stand, you're sitting out in the middle of the vet and you see this big fight break out in the middle of the stands and then you hear about the courthouse that's in the, in the stadium and you just, you know, you start – Hearing all of these tales, and then when you get in there and you're around the city, I was one. Of, I was always a guy that lived here year round. So when I got a chance to be around the fans and get a good feel for them, I, you know, it's to the point where I'm like, you know what? There's no other place that I want to be. You know, this this became home for me. This is a place that I raised my kids, and it's just something that we really love. And 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 you know, our fans are passionate, and it's um, it's not a city for everybody to play in. You know, and and it's okay, you know, and I think that the guys that come here want to come here and our fans are going to hold them accountable, which they should. And I think that's something that's just awesome, and I, and I hope our fans never change. How would you have handled social media back when you were 22, 23, 24, <laughs> when there were some tough years with the Philadelphia Eagles? I know. I, I, I probably would have. Because um, nobody, you know, everybody went to Randy Moss in that draft. You know that. You've yeah. heard all the stories a million times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I probably would have gone to Randy Moss, too. I mean, he was a receiver. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, you know, I, he probably, I don't know how I would have handled it, man, just because. I probably wouldn't have had an account. Yeah. You know, yeah. just because I really didn't like, you know, I, I, first of all, I wasn't one that was going to sit up there and just spill my guts to everything or say everything that was on my mind anyway. So I probably wouldn't have had an account, you know, just so that I could protect what was going on and, and to just keep my mindset straight. Because um, that was one of the things that Coach Reed was big, big on, you know, just don't listen to the sports radio talk shows. Don't get into all of that just so that you can kind of protect your little bubble that you're in, you know, because once you start getting into that and hearing how these fans get on players, man, you know, it can it can kind of mess with you. It's got to be culture shock when you come from a Florida environment, which is not a gigantic, and Tallahassee's not a gigantic media market. It's not a, I mean, I know that they're, they love their Seminoles football. To come into Philadelphia to see all of these reporters in mm -hmm. your face, a team that's going through all this transition, a really bad year in 1998. You know, you get into Andy Reid and you kind of turn things around. But how tough was it early in your life, Trey? You know what, man? I think Juan it did a really good job of kind of managing that for me just by just working me to death so that I couldn't didn't have to pay attention to that because we were always first on the field, last off the field, and last out of the meeting room. So I think that Juan did a good job of – you know what, I'm going to take care of this for you by just working you to the point where you don't even, you're numb to everything else that's outside of it. But um, it was just, it, it was a, a truly great experience for me, you know, especially as you continue to grow into this and get a, get a feel for how the city was, you know, it, it, it was awesome. Do your kids have an appreciation for your football career? Eh, you know, 
Yeah, because their kids, their, their, their friends know about it because of their parents and stuff like that. So they get it. You know, uh, I, I don't pull out my football film and like, look, look at what I used to do, you know, but um, they, 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 they know, they know what I did. They appreciate what I did. Um, but it's not something that they just sit up there. And my dad says, you know, he plays for the Eagles. You know, yeah. every now and then they'll come with some pictures. And I'm like, Dad, can you sign these pictures for all my friends and stuff? But other than that, they're usually pretty cool. With do it. you have a man cave in your house? Yes, I do. And what do you have in there from your Eagles I have days? all my game balls. I have all my How many my game jerseys. balls do you have? Uh, I think around 20 maybe. Wow. Yeah, so I think around 20. And then I have um, all of my jerseys. Um, I have all of my helmets, uh, my cleats and stuff like that. So I keep uh, – that's – I, I didn't keep a lot of stuff, but those are the things that I really hold true and uh, dear to me. Um, like a lot of the Pro Bowl stuff that I got whenever we went over there and signed stuff. Um, and then I have jerseys from like Ray Lewis, um, Bruce Smith, uh, Ray, um, uh, Simeon Rice, uh, of course, Hugh Douglas and them. So uh, they just have some guys up there and just a lot of the different pictures and stuff. Where is the 2004 NFC Championship ring? Um, it's in my drawer. In your drawer? Yeah. It's not in a safe? No, no, it's in a drawer. Do you wear it ever? No, especially after you guys won the Super Bowl. I know, man. <laughs> you know, like, why? I think it makes it more proud. I mean, like, yeah. to me, that ring was always like, it was a great accomplishment. Yeah. But it was always like, oh, geez, who wants to wear a second place ring yeah. in a city where they're just aching to win the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. But then the Eagles win the Super Bowl. And to me, that kind of validates yeah. 2004 and 1980 as well. Yeah, but I, I, I don't wear it as much. I, I pull it out every now and then, but it's not something that I wear all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure you got a lot of buddies around the league who have Super Bowl rings, and you kind of go, why would I want to wear a second-place ring? Yeah, yeah. Any regrets from your career? Uh, of course. You always have regrets. You always have regrets of... I'm surprised to hear that. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, there are always times where I felt like, you know what, maybe if I would have done this different, maybe if I would have pushed a little bit harder on this, maybe not have done a couple things that, that you know, maybe affected the way I played sometimes, you know. So there are always regrets in, in, in this game, and, um, you know... But you can't do anything about it now. I, I was blessed to have a 12-year career, um, 11 years here. I think my biggest regret is not being able to win a Super Bowl here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, a little fun here. Let's go into the locker room. Let's have five questions for Trey Thomas. One, two, three, four, five questions. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five questions. Five One, for Trey. Two, here we go. From the Eagles locker room circa, I don't know, 2003, 2006, 2007. Your favorite, your best friend is in the, as a Philadelphia Eagle. Hugh Douglas, um, uh, Todd Harriman, Jamal Jackson, uh, really everybody on the team, man. Yeah. Like we were, we were a really tight unit. You know, I, I, I really felt like everybody on the squad was really cool. We went, we hung out at everybody's stuff and we supported everybody's stuff. Kind of like how this team was um, the year before when you guys were on their Super Bowl run. You saw that the that the guys really had a genuine love for each other, and you know, and um, everybody supported each other. Best part of being an NFL player? Um, Tuesdays, payday. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, if you're if you're on the roster on Tuesdays, you are guaranteed pay for that week. That is a big day for yeah, everybody. Yeah, that's awesome, especially when it's bye week pay. You, you know, that was awesome too. Biggest slob that you can remember as a Philadelphia Eagles teammate? Biggest slob. I mean, I would say Doug Brzezinski just off the top of my, if I recall correctly. Steve Everett. Oh, yes, Steve yeah. Everett. <laughs> yeah. Pigpen. Yeah, yeah. He would you would go into his um, dorm room at the, at the, uh, at Lehigh. And he would have Gatorade bottles where he'd urinate, you know, with piss in them. And I mean, he was just one of the nasty cats, man. But you know, was super cool though. Yeah, yeah. he was like an, it was like a, he was like a bohemian artist kind of guy. I never really saw him as a football player. Mm-hmm. How did you feel? That, the fourth question: Describe the feeling you had on Mondays after a really tough Sunday game. Uh, sore, you know. Uh, 
beat up, but can't wait to go in and watch the film and listen to Juan break down what we need to do and move forward and then take it from there. And then fifth, your best Andy Reid moment. Do you have do you have any like Andy Reidism stored in your head? Man, Coach Reid would always at the end of the year would always pull me and McNabb in his office, and he would always give us the Brett Favre and, and Reggie White speech about how you know these guys were always hard workers and all the push that we need to do, and, and you know, but. Big Red was just an amazing um, coach for me and just being a, a a second father figure here for me. I, I just really appreciate the time that I had here with him. Why do you think he has not won the Super Bowl? And, and, and does it does it bother you? Are you rooting for him? I'm definitely rooting for him. I'm definitely rooting for him. Um, I thought that this year was going to be one of his better times, the best chances to get it done. But, uh, you know... <laughs> It, it, it's it's tough sledding out there, and um and I and I really hope that he gets it done, man. I, he's on a, a an extremely uh, good coach. I know a lot of people try to judge him by his um uh the not having a Super Bowl win on his belt, but at the end of the day, it's more than what's going on on the field. He really is concerned about his players, and he really cares about what's going on in their life outside of you know the outside of the facility and off the field. And then Super Bowl thirty nine, New England Patriots. What was the experience like, Trey? Uh, it was amazing. You know, um, just the the the, the entire the whole experience of finally making it there uh, was a really good time. Uh, you know, and, and just being able to step out on the field in Jacksonville, in my home state, and uh, to be able to go out there and represent the team and and, and to play in the Super Bowl was just an a, a amazing experience. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, just wish that we would have gotten that win. Did it bother you for months and months and months after? Yes, definitely it did, especially after the Spygate thing came out. Yeah. Oh, give me my ring. People still talk about I mean, the, yeah. There is a genuine belief among Eagles from that era that the Patriots did something to pick up the Eagles' defensive signals or to pick up the Eagles' defensive tendencies or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, you know, but... I don't, I don't buy it. Like, yeah. I'm day, the Patriots won the game. Yeah, they won it. And, you know, we made some mistakes. We didn't, uh, we didn't execute on certain things. But, then too, like, I think that, you know, you go back and you look at that team, and we weren't... We didn't have a lot of guys on the team that had already won. You know, we were. I think that as a unit, we weren't mature enough to make that to to, to take that to take advantage of that. We didn't have enough leaders that had won that that have gone all the way to kind of help us help these young our young wild guys to kind of help get over the hump. Trey, how many times have you been asked if Donovan threw up that game? All the time. And what's your answer? Um, I didn't. I didn't see it. Honestly, I, I did not see it. I heard him gag, but I did not. Get, so what? What is the story? He, he gagged coming out of a huddle. Yeah, he was trying to call a play. So we were. Um, I think he was trying to call two jet or something like that. And uh, he was trying to call the play, and then he started like you know gagging or whatever. And so we just like we we looked up at the clock and saw that the t- clock was uh, ticking down. So we were just like, all right, two jet, two jet. We walking up on the line, just two jet, and we heard him gagging. But we just go because we were already on silent, kind of believe. I talked to the director of the Fox broadcast for that game many times. He said, look, we had 25 cameras. A lot of them pointed at number five. Not once did we see him, you know, throw anything out of his mouth. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. Yeah. I mean, I feel for Donovan. I feel like I, I like Donovan. I think that – I think if there is a torment of not winning that game that maybe he is the one who is – 
borne the most brunt of it in yeah. his in his life. Yeah, yeah, it's been tough because I mean, every everybody thinks that he he went out there and literally choked, you yeah. know. And um, I don't know. It, it was just a tough situation, man. I, I think that the the maturity of that team just wasn't where it needed to be to, to, to seize that moment. Why did you stay in Philly after your career? Why have you made Philadelphia your home and, and put down such deep roots in the community? Because I just love it here. Um, I just love the environment. I love the city. I love, um, you know, just being around the fans still. I love being able to come to the games. Uh, you know, I go home, what I want to do? You know, sit on my sofa, you know, Sit out on the porch. My golf game sucks, so you know. I, I like. I, I just love being up here. It, it, it's it's extremely fun, and I, I just couldn't see it being any other way. Have you done well with your money, Trey? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Would you like to get into coaching again someday? Absolutely. I, I would. I would love to get into coaching again. You know, um, that was one thing that really broke my heart, man, because I that, I, I really enjoyed it, and I thought and I felt like I was good at it. You know. Um, I know that my first year I worked with the offensive line with helping Lane Johnson get up to speed. But my second year with working with the outside linebackers uh, focusing on pass rush, that's where I really felt like, man, I could be good at this because, I mean, you look at it. I, I took everything that Juan taught us on how to count steps and how to look at their stances, and we f- reversed it. And uh, it worked. I mean, Connor Barwin went from five sacks to, what, 14 and a half sacks, mm-hmm. made his first Pro Bowl. We were second in the league in sacks. And, you know, but my thing is now if you ask a coach, say, you know, hey, man, can I get on the defensive side of the ball? And, you know, like, ah, you go back over on the offensive side. So, you know, I, I, I am, I'm enjoying what I'm doing now with radio. But if the opportunity did present itself, I would definitely get back into it. And that's it. encouraging with these new leagues, the AFL, AAL, mm-hmm. the XFL. I mean, there are more teams. There are more coaching opportunities. Yeah. It may come down the pike for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. But you know, It's a tough right, life. Yeah, it, it is a lot of work. It's a lot of work, you know. And right now my kids are young. You know, they're at the, my son, is um, he just turned 16 yesterday. And Happy then, uh, yeah, thank you. And then I have an 11 year old too. So right now they're at that age where I'm always at practices and making sure that they're doing their thing. So I, 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 I'm enjoying doing that. The radio right now gives me that freedom to, I'm done at 10 so I can go make sure I pick them up at practice, be at all of these games and stuff like that. So I'm really enjoying it. What is the lifestyle like as a morning radio host? What time do you have to wake up uh, in the morning? Yeah, I'm up probably around 2, 2.30 every morning. Yeah. What time and do you go to bed? I try to get in the bed by 9 and try to be asleep by 10. You know, um, if there's a late basketball game, I make sure I record it or something like that, and then I watch it, watch what I didn't see the next morning and um, just take it from there. But it is definitely a, it's a grind, you know. Um, but it's fun. It's fun. We try to keep it light. You know, it's not – I don't want to sit up there and beat everybody across the head with stats, and I don't want to, you know, start – talking over their head when it comes to technique and stuff like that. So we just try to keep it light and keep it fun. Good. Keep keep up the good work. You guys Thank sound you. great. I like Mark a lot. I like you a lot. I think it's going to be a terrific show, hopefully, for the long term and yeah. keep building that career. All right, I want to finish this thing up with a little Thomas trivia. The game of your name trivia. Your name's in the answer. The All right, so I'm looking up this name here. In Thomas Trivia, we've got a couple of questions for you. This will test how well you know famous people with the same last name as you, all right? All right. This Thomas led the Detroit Pistons in the late 1980s and through the 1990s to two NBA championships. His name? Isaiah Thomas. This Thomas, correct, this Thomas played his entire career with the Kansas City Chiefs at linebacker and defensive end and is a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Derek Thomas. 
This Thomas, very good. This Thomas had a massive hit with the song Smooth and was joined on the track by Carlos Santana. Uh, I had no idea. Okay, Rob Thomas. Okay. Uh, this Thomas, if you don't get this one, this Thomas played defensive tackle for the Eagles during her tenure with the team. Uh, the defensive tackle? Yeah. Oh, oh Hollis. Hollis, yeah, Thomas, yeah. yeah. Finally, this Thomas was the featured running back for the Buffalo Bills during their run of four straight Super Bowl appearances. Oh, man. Thurman. Okay. What, what, was that That's Thurman correct. Thomas? Thurman yeah, yeah, Thomas. Yeah. He's a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well. Okay. Correct. <laughs> Funniest moment you witnessed playing football. Anything that sticks out to you? Funniest moment. Man. I don't know, man. It was We had such a Did wild bunch. Did you have bunch. fun? Yeah. Every moment was fun. But we had such a wild bunch, man, with just Hugh Douglas just – Running around, getting kicked off the bus with Andy Reid. Um, Excuse me? Yeah, because he would always be on the back of the bus yelling and stuff. And Coach Reid was like, all right, Hugh, I need you on a different bus. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know, man. It was just it, – it, it, I'm telling you, man, my, my entire time it was just it – was, it was all laughs and fun, man. You who, know. who was the best player? Was Simeon Rice the best player you ever played against? Yes, he was definitely one of the toughest defensive ends I've had to deal with. He made us change the way we played the game. Um as a DN, as a tackle, you always were taught to punch with both hands. But Simeon Rice would show chest and make you punch with both hands, and then he'll turn and clamp your outside arm. So me and Juan would just sit there. I remember one time back when he was with Arizona, and he beat me with a three-step drop. And I'm like, dang, Juan, you know, we got you know, to work on this, man. So we started changing up the way we would punch, where it's like, all right, we started treating them like boxers, where you throw your inside hand, throw your inside hand, then finish with the outside hand, only if you really need to. So it was more like a jab, 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 all right, finish. So that was one of the things that Juan was really big on, just, all right, all right this is how we can do to kind of change it up. After he taught me how to count steps. Gotcha. All mm-hmm. right, media guy, tell me about the Philadelphia Eagles 2019, your thoughts on what the Eagles need to do in free agency, and are the Eagles Super Bowl contenders next year? I think so. Um, you're definitely going to need to get a, a, another speedy receiver, I think. You know, uh, you're going to have to firm up the running back situation. Uh, you know, you're going to have to firm up the offensive line, get some more depth on the offensive line. You know, um, what, what, if JP is coming back, you know, is it, uh, what are you going to be doing with Vitae? Um, how is Jordan, uh, my, is it my, yeah, see how, how big Jordan, my is coming along. I thought that, um, Lane Johnson and, uh, Brandon Brooks did a, a, a really good job this year getting better. Uh, Kelsey's was strong. Um, I think on the defensive side of the ball, um, uh, you know, you're going to have to – I think pass rush is definitely going to have to ramp up a little bit more uh, just to start getting those sack totals back in there. I thought that Fletcher Cox was still dominant. He was an extremely dominant player out there. But you need somebody else out there to kind of, you know, on the edges to kind of keep pushing the, uh, keep pushing the pocket. Uh, I thought that the secondary um, – you know, had had his moments. You know, uh, you know, he, he had because uh, he, he had a couple guys that stepped in that were young, and you know, and it's a young group that um that are continuing to gel. And, and, and secondary is just one of those positions that every player on the team respects because if they mess up, that's it. And, you know, that's six points. So you know, that's one of the things. And then just trying to figure out what you're going to do at linebacker. You know, how Jordan Hicks is going to come back. You know, Nigel Bradham is going to do his thing. So you know, you definitely. So if I had to say. With this being a uh, a big pass rush uh, unit that's coming in, finding another pass rusher. I know they just re-signed BG to a, a new three-year extension. 
BG's production is definitely going to have to ramp up a four sack season. It can't. He can't have another one of those. And uh, that secondary is going to have to, you know, be what they were supposed to be. How about number eleven, Carson? Man, you know, I think that coming back this year, he'll be a lot more comfortable. You know, because I when I go when I went back and I looked at his games. I mean, he got his. Ass, I'm sorry. He got his. You, okay, you, he got his ass kicked, man. When he first came back, I mean, he comes back. A lot of hits. I mean, you look at his first four games back. He was sacked 13 times, I think. 13 times hit over 35 times. When you have Drew Brees that finished the season with only 13 sacks, you know, that's that's a problem, you know. And and, and you could just tell. What I like about Carson is that. Everything that he presents himself to be, he is. You know, it's not – I don't think that he's a, fl- a front at all. I think that he's a true leader. Um, I think that he really pushed to come back, to sit up there and see his backup quarterback win the Super Bowl. I think that sparked something in him. And he did everything that he could to get back on the field. And then when you get back on the field and everybody isn't on the same page, that does something to you. And I think that – with the, all of the reports that came out, oh, you know, he's this type of person. Well, tell me what an athlete isn't, you know, and and and, and if and if you're not a leader of men, if you're not, you, you, you're going to rub some people the wrong way, and who cares? I mean, you're all out here trying to get some production. You're trying to get a win, and I think Carson is a true leader. I think that he's going to come back this year, and it's going to be uh, ten times better than where he was last year, um, you know, because he's going to come back healthier. I think that he really did push – to come back as quick as possible. Um, I know that the team tried to hold on, you know, wait a minute, you know, but you can only hold him back for so long, you know, and and, and there was just so much pressure on him. And you could tell, like, that pressure was just eating at him because he was just trying to make plays, trying to make plays, trying to make plays, instead of just getting rid of the ball and just letting the game just come to you. But um, I think that he's definitely going to step up and, and be the player that he's supposed to be. What a time, man. Yeah. What a time for the Philadelphia. What a time for the city of Philadelphia I in the know. sports. You're I in know. The right, you're in the right place at the right time here. I know. Right now, I look at it. I, I was talking about this on the air. I'm like, man, this might, really might be a time where – you see all four teams win at the same time Wouldn't during the same cool? season. That, that would just be amazing. That's before you were born, though, 1980. All yeah. four teams went to the finals. That's what they were saying. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. But I think that all these guys are going to win. I think I think right now you have Carter Hart. Right now with you know, hockey, you have that good goalie. I think uh, the Sixers are making their push. And then when you, when you bring Bryce Hopper in, man, I mean, you know, and he's pushing to get Mike Trout, you really might see uh, all four win at the same time it would be awesome we just here want the eagles to win again it, it yeah. felt good to win the super yeah, bowl of course let's go out and win another one trey Absolutely. thanks so much anytime appreciate man. it my anytime. man yes, trey sir. thomas 72 no, the number 72 in my life like i know that vitae has it is it weird for you to like look out there and see i love seeing that okay. though i love seeing it i'm glad that vitae brought it back on the offensive side of all because cedric had put it on, yes exactly you know, cedric on the defensive side that's right <laughs> number 72 trey thomas three-time pro bowler we love him we thank him make sure you tune in uh, every Monday, Monday through Friday. Monday through Friday. At 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, 6 Oh, my 10. gosh. <laughs> on 97.5, The Fanatic. What, where can people find you on social media? Uh, at Trey Thomas, uh, 72 uh, on um, uh, Twitter, and then at same thing on Instagram, and then I'm on Facebook as well. Okay, Trey yep. Thomas, we thank you for joining us on the Eagles Live Podcast. Thanks to Chris Barletto for putting it all together. Thanks to you for joining us each and every week here. We are one week away from free agency. We'll delve into that with an interview with Howie Roseman. 
in our next Eagles Live podcast later in the week. Thanks so much for joining Eagles Everywhere. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly!